Amen. Come on. God is good. It's so encouraging to hear people pray. It's like almost like preaching. You know, they're preaching to you. They're encouraging you. God is good. Amen. Come on. Let's do that this morning. When I say God is good, you say all the time. Then I say all the time, you say God is good. You got that? God is good. And all the time. Amen. Truly, God is good. If you could turn to the book of Psalms, Psalm 73. Psalms 73. How's everybody doing this morning? Everybody looking good. It's a beautiful day in the neighborhood. We're there. When you're there, say amen. Amen. Psalms 73. This is a psalm of Asaph, not David. Asaph. Asaph was a Levite. He was a worship leader. He was the chief musician under King David. His services in the temple was to create music, to, to sing music. He was a professional singer. He was a composer of music, right? More than that, he was respected also as a prophet. So we're not just talking about anybody here. We're talking about a man of God who loved God, who sang songs to him. He was the chief musician under King David. And here in uh, Psalm 73, he's going to share his heart with us. He's going to share something with us uh, that most of us, if not all of us, have gone through or will go through. As a matter of fact, I know that some of us are going through this right now or have gone through it. Amen? So here he's going to share his heart. And here in Psalm 73, verse 1, what does it say? Surely God is good to Israel, to those who are pure in heart. Surely God is good. Amen? God is good all the time. We know that. He knows that. God is good. There are foundational truths in our lives that we have to have. We have to have a solid foundation in our Christian walk with Jesus. And there's foundational truths that we have to have. One of those foundational truths is that God is good. We have to know that. We have to believe it. We have to remember it. Because that truth will be challenged throughout our life. We're going to face challenges in our lives. We're going to go through storms. We're going to go through trials. And it's going to challenge that truth. It's going to challenge whether we continue believing if God really is good. Amen? So that is a truth that we have to have because it will get challenged. There are things in life, in our lives, that we're just not going to understand. That we're like in a dilemma here. You know, situations that we just start to question God. Why does God allow this to happen? Why am I going through this? Why does this happen to me all the time? And then we start to question God. We start to question God, but you need to know that God is good no matter what. That God is good, that he loves you. And in Romans 8, 28, that in all things God works together for the good of those who love him. We have to know that. We have to know the word of God. We have to know the promises. We have to know the character of God. We have to read his word. We know that God is good because he is for us, not against us. Right? God is good. He loves us. He's our provider. He's our redeemer. He loves us because though you walk through the valley of the shadow of death, you will fear no evil for God is with you. He is good. He loves you. He is your shepherd. God is good because though you're pressed. You're not crushed. You're persecuted. You're not abandoned. You're pressed down, right? You're pressed down. You're not destroyed. God is good because he left 
the heavenlies. He left the worship of angels. He left the glory of heaven. And he came down to this earth as a man. And he died for your sins. He died on the cross for your sins. So that if you believe, you will not go to hell. You will not perish. But you will go to heaven and have everlasting life. That's why God is good. You have to know that. You see, he's not obligated to do anything for you. He's not obligated. He wasn't obligated to die on the cross. But he did it because he loves us. We have to know that God is good. That has to be our foundation. That has to be our foundation. When things in life comes to us, we don't understand it. But, man, I don't understand it. But I know God is good. I don't understand why this is happening. I don't understand why this is going on. But you have to fall back on what you do understand. And what I do understand is that God is good, that he loves me, he's for me, that he's going to bless me. That I do understand. And if you accept that, you believe it, you have to accept that by faith. You have to accept it, knowing that God is in control of your life, knowing that, that, that he's in control, that, God, I've surrendered my life to you, I've given you my life, I don't know what's going on, but you do. I'm going to trust you, I'm going to continue, do whatever you got to do. Let your will be done in my life. You have to accept that. You have to believe it. There has to be a foundation. Because if you don't have that as your foundation, every time something bad happens, when it gets tough, you're going to get destroyed. You're going to get discouraged. You're going to get depressed. You're going to start to question God. And things aren't going to be so good. So many times you see Christians backslide, right? All the time. You see it all the time. Christians that backslide. They turn their backs on God, right? As a, as a dog returns back to his vomit, so a fool returns back to his folly. You see that all the time. Christians who start off the Christian walk, and they're on fire for God. And next week, you wonder, what happened to them? They're back to where they came from. Why? Because they didn't have a solid foundation. They didn't know how to trust in God when it got hard. And so they just give up. They quit, and they go back to where they came from. We, hear, uh, we, hear, we read about the parable of Jesus that he gave about the, the foolish builder that built his house on sand, and the wise builder that built his house on solid rock. When the rain came, the storm came, the flood rose, the, the, the house that was built on sand, it fell apart. It, it was destroyed because it didn't have a solid foundation. But the house on the rock, it stood. It stood. It stood strong. You see? We have to have that foundation. We have to have a solid, a strong one, because when it gets hard, man, we're not going to be shaken. We're not going to get destroyed. I know that God, I don't understand what's going on, but I know that God is good. I'm not going to doubt his goodness. So God is good. You have to know that. You have to remember that. You have to believe that. That is a truth that cannot be shaken, that you have to live and die by. Amen? Surely God is good to Israel, to those who are pure in heart. Pure heart is if you're born again. If you are not born again, you do not have a pure heart. Matthew 5, 8 says that blessed are the pure in heart, for they shall see God. Blessed are the pure in heart, for they shall see God. If today you do not have a pure heart, if you haven't been born again, if you haven't given your life to Jesus, if you haven't said, Lord, I give you my life, I give you everything, I surrender to you, forgive me of my sins, you are not born again. You do not have a pure heart, you will not see God. But there's good news because... Today's the day of salvation. And you could have a pure heart. You could be born again. You could see God. God is a God of many chances. Amen? Surely God is good to Israel, to those who are pure in heart. But as for me, uh-oh, 
Everybody say, uh oh. But as for me, it's a different story now. See, he, Asaph, he knew that God is good, but he, he, it's a different story. But as for me, my feet had almost slipped. I had nearly lost my foothold. Uh oh. He's being tempted, he's being challenged. Something's going on. He's like, man, my feet had almost slipped. He's almost ready to backslide. He's almost, he's at the edge of the cliff, ready just to call it quits. He's ready to give up. Why? Why was he ready to give up? He was being tempted here. What was his temptation? What was going on in his life? Verse 3, for I envied the arrogant when I saw the prosperity of the wicked. He was tempted for, because he envied the arrogant when I saw the prosperity of the wicked. The Bible says do not covet. And that envy is from the flesh. He took his eyes off of God, and now he started to focus on the things that he saw. He got distracted. His thinking started getting distorted. Right? He envied the arrogance. So now he's starting to question God here. He's starting to question God's goodness. Is God really a just God? Is he really righteous? Is God really a fair God? Right? Because he's seen them. He's seen the world, people who are ungodly, people who are un- unrighteous, and they're prospering. They, they have everything they ever wanted, right? And here he is. Here we are. We do what is right, and we seem to suffer more. It just wasn't making sense to him. He's like, what's going on here? I do everything right. I love God. I'm obedient, right? I go to church. I read my Bible. I pray. I tithe. I I love God with all my heart. I do what is right even when no one's looking. I'm a man of integrity, a woman of integrity. And I seem to be having problems all the time. I seem to suffer more. I have financial problems. You can barely pay your bills, right? And then you look around, and people who just do whatever they want to do, they don't think about God. They deny God, and they, they're living a good life. They're living the good life. You look around in the news, the, the rich and the famous. I was, I was watching MTV the other day. MTV Cribs. I know I ain't the only one. You look at those houses, you're like, man, it would be nice to have that, right? It would be nice to, you know, to have a home like that, to have what they have. You know, you began to, you know, envy, God forgive us, but it's human nature. I know I ain't the only one. <laughs> it was beautiful houses, swimming pool inside. They got a, a, a theater, a, a real theater in their own home. You're like, man, that is, I, I wish I had half of that, Right? You know, you, you read about people who have all this money, Oprah and Bill Gates, they have all this money. You're like, man, if I can only just have $1 million, just give me $1 million and I'll be happy for the rest of my life. That's it. That's all I need. I don't need, I don't need $100 million. Just, just give me $1 million, right? And then you see that they have their 500000 you know, Ferrari car. They spent hundreds of thousand dollars on a birthday party. And here we are, just, you know, eating at McDonald's through the dollar menu, you know? Thank God for that. The dollar menu is the bomb. <laughs> the dollar menu is good. I'm happy. But you see that. You're like, man, they have everything they want. They do whatever they want. They have fun. They, they, they're, living, they're living the good life. And here we are, man. Well, why can't I have that? I deserve that. I'm doing what is right. I'm obedient to you, God. And here they, they get it the, the bad way. They're corrupt. You know, they're scheming. And you're like, why do they have it? So he's questioning God. He's like, why is this happening? It just doesn't make sense. He's comparing now. He's comparing. 
it would seem, if God is good, that he will bless the good people and the wicked will suffer. But it's not that way. It's the opposite. And it's messing him up. That's why his feet is uh, is slipping. And you look around, Christians do seem to suffer more, right? Christians seem to suffer more overall. We seem to be the underdogs all the time. You look around the world, and and, and Christians are being persecuted. Over 100,000, closer to 200,000 martyrs every year. Christians who die because of their faith. We seem to get discriminated against more. We seem to suffer more. Even here in America, I mean, we call suffering here for compared to them who are, you know, getting persecuted. This is like Disney World. You know, this is like a walk around the park. You know, over there, you, you love Jesus, boom, you're dead. Throw him in jail. You're getting beat up. Here's a little different. We get discriminated against differently. You know, they take prayers out of a school. You got groups like the ACLU that just want God out of America. They want him out of the dollar bills. They want God... You know, out of the dollar bills, they wanted, they took them out of the schools. They want them out of the Congress. They just don't want nothing to do with God. And then I read articles. Uh, I was reading the, the stimulus bill that's being passed around. They're, they're trying to pass it. And some of that money is supposed to go to renovate schools and build new schools. But Congress says don't send money to those schools who practice religious worship doesn't make sense and the article was called war on prayer but and then i read other articles that uh obama approves a bill that will send federal uh, funding federal money to not america but international groups that support and uh and uh and uh practice abortion it doesn't make sense what right is wrong and what's wrong is right we seem to get discriminated against more it just doesn't make sense right so here he is, he's contemplating this, he, he's mad, he's like, what is going on, it's not making sense, this is why I'm almost backsliding. And so here in the next few verses, he starts to build a case. He's like, this is what I'm observing, this is what I'm seeing, this is why I'm upset, this is why I, I'm almost going to backslide, right? You read in verse 4, the next few verses I'm going to go through quickly, you could just follow, uh, follow with me. Uh, verse 4, they have no struggles. Their bodies are healthy and strong. They are free from burdens common to man. They are not plagued by human ills. Therefore, pride is their necklace. They clothe themselves with violence. See, they're prideful. They're prideful people, right? From their callous hearts comes iniquity. The evil conceits of their minds know no limits. Mm. They they live however they want to live. They live like with no consequence. They live like there's no hell. They scoff and speak with malice in their arrogance. They threaten oppression. You see, they take advantage of the weak, right? The richer get richer and the poorer get poorer. Their mouths lay claim to heaven. Their tongues take possession of the earth. They act, they talk, they live like they own everything, like they're on top of the world. Therefore, their people turn to them and drink up waters in abundance. See, people are around people who prosper. They have their followers. They have their entourage. They say, how can God know? Does the Most High have knowledge? See, see how prideful they are? They deny God. They blaspheme. They're like, man, God doesn't exist. I'm doing all of this. I'm doing whatever I want, and nothing's going on. If anything, I'm living, you know, life is getting better. Life is getting sweeter. There is no God, and if there is a God, he doesn't care. He doesn't care. And even Christians, 
so-called Christian, people who profess to be Christian, come to church and they lift up their hands and they, they, they uh, you know, uh, they act like Christians here in church, but throughout the week they do whatever they want to do. They live however they want to live. And with their actions they're saying, does God really know? Does God have knowledge? So they're, they're you know, they're mocking God here. Where was I? Verse 12, this is what the wicked are like. So here, you know, he built the case, and he's like, you know, I'm going to summarize it in a few words. This is how they're like. Always carefree, and they increase in wealth. They're carefree. They live however they want to live. They do whatever they want to do, say whatever they want to say. No burdens, no worries, no cries. They're the king of the world. Nothing could bring them down. And on top of that, they increase in wealth. On top of that, they prosper. They're living the good life. This is how they're like. And it's safe to say here that he's exaggerating a little bit because we do know that there's Christians who do prosper and there's people, ungodly people, that do go through hard times. But he's not talking about that. He's observing this and he's mad. And you know when you're mad, you exaggerate. You know when you're mad, you tend to blow the whole thing out of proportion, right? You make it bigger than what it really is. Well, I'm mad. You can't tell me what to say. You can't tell me how to feel. This is how I feel and this is what I'm going to say. I'm going to speak my mind. This is how he's feeling. So he's mad, and the devil has him right where he wants him. And when you start thinking that way, you give the devil a foothold, he will mess you up. He will tear you apart. He will make you start thinking the way you really don't want to think. Right? He'll distort your thinking. And he's your biggest encourager. He's your biggest supporter. He's your cheerleader. He's right next to you. Come on, man. That's right. You're right. Yeah, well, you know, they're prospering, they're having a good life, and look at you, you're doing what is right, and you're suffering. It's not worth it. You might as well just be like them. Go ahead. Right? Why serve God? And so the devil's messing with his mind. And you know that's happened to us, right? He messes with your mind. And so what happens is, God have mercy, he comes up with a conclusion, a false conclusion, right? Mm. What was his conclusion? Verse 13. Surely in vain have I kept my heart pure. In vain have I washed my hands in innocence. You guys understand that? Surely in vain have I kept my heart pure. In vain have I washed my hands in innocence. He's upset. He's tempted. He's observing this. And he's saying, man, it doesn't pay to be a Christian. It's not worth doing what is right. What's the point? They catch all the breaks. And here I am, I'm doing what is right. I'm loving God. I'm walking in the fear of the Lord. I'm obedient to his word, his commands. And I'm suffering. What's the point? It's not worth it. What's the point of coming to church? What's the point of praying and, and uh, you know, reading my Bible and waking up early for prayer? What's the point? It's not worth it. God have mercy. See how much the devil messed him up? If I, sa- if I had said... I will speak, uh, I'm sorry, verse 14. All day long I have been plagued. I have been punished every morning. He's like, every day, man, I'm having hard times. Every day, all the time. If it's not one thing, it's another. I'm always punished, having problems. If I had said I will speak thus, I would have betrayed your children. So this is what he's feeling, but he's not, you know, he's not wanting to talk about it. He doesn't want to be a stumbling block. He doesn't want anybody to, to stumble because of what he's thinking. He's a chief musician. He's a leader here. So he's like, man, he's, he's going to keep it in. He's going to try to figure this whole thing out. He's like, let me figure this whole thing out. I don't know what's going on. Let me see if there even is a reason for me to think this way. Let me just try to figure this out on my own. 
right? He kept it to himself. And in verse 16, when I tried to understand all this, it was oppressive to me. See, when he tried to figure this thing out, it was oppressive to him. It was, it was just too hard. Sometimes we have uh, painful experiences, right, in life, and you just want to just get it out of your mind. Sometimes it hurts when you think about it. It hurts. It, it's just it's a burden to your life, and you just don't want to think about it no more, right? I'm sure some of you maybe have had painful experiences. You don't even want to think about it. It's kept you up at night. There's situations in our life that we try just to, to figure out, and you just can't. You can't. You can't figure everything out. We're, you, know, our, you know, our human minds, we're, you know, we're uh, limited. And so when he was trying to figure this thing out, why am I going through this situation? Why am I feeling this way? He couldn't figure it out. And it was hard. It was like a burden. It was overwhelming. It was overwhelming. It was painful for him. Right? Isaiah 55, 9 says, As the heavens are higher than the earth, so are my ways higher than your ways, and my thoughts than your thoughts. We can't figure everything out. We can't figure all of God's ways. We can't figure out, you know, he's, he's an almighty God. We can't figure everything out. We just can't. And don't try to pretend that you can. So what did he do? What was his solution? This is the kicker right here. This is awesome. This is what encourages me, right? When I tried to understand all this, it was oppressive to me. Till I entered the sanctuary of God. Then I understood their final destiny. Do you understand that? I couldn't understand anything. I was lost. I'm ready to backslide until I came to God. That has to be our resort. That has to be our refuge. That has to be the place where we go to get answers, to find peace, to get encouraged. You see, he came to God in prayer. He was fasting. He was reading his word. He was, he was meditating on God's word, on the promises of God. Well, God is good. He is for me. He's not against me. He, he wants to prosper me. He wants to bless me. You see, everything started to make sense now. You see, because he took his focus out of God, and he wasn't remembering these things. The devil just messed him up. He started thinking crazy thoughts. But when he came to God, he changed from natural thinking to spiritual thinking. And now when you, when you come to God and you, you start thinking spiritually, everything makes sense. You see the big picture now. You see, you see things from a narrow point of view. But when you come to God, he broadens it. He gives you a broader view. And now you see the whole picture. And everything makes sense. And you're like, oh, that's, that's why this is going on. That's why I went through this. That's why you're allowing this to happen, God. Now I understand, right? Now I understand. So he came to God. He got changed. There's things in life that you won't be able to understand until you come to God. There's things in life that you will never, ever be able to understand until you come to God. So if that's the case, we have to come to God. Coming to God has to be the place where we go to. It has to be our number one spot before we come to Pastor Joe or anybody. Come to God. He is your counselor, right? That's what the Bible says. If you're going to get counsel from anybody, it's from God. He knows best. He knows before you were born. He knows your future. He knows your ending. He knows 10, 20 years from now. So if anybody knows what's going on in your life, it should be God. So come to him. Come to him with your problems. 
Come to him with your words. Come to him with, with your dilemmas. He would help you. So everything started to make sense now, right? God was revealing things to him. God was speaking to him. God was encouraging them. And so now he realized that, man, they shouldn't be envy. They should be pitied. I shouldn't envy them. I should pity them because he understood now they're finally, he understood what was going on. He knew, man, I'm really the one who's blessed, not them. I'm really the one who has a good future, not them. See, what was God revealing to him in Psalms 49? You don't have to turn. I can read it. 49.13. This is what God was revealing to him. This is the fate of those who trust in themselves and all of their followers who approve of their sayings. You see, their followers, their entourage. Like sheep, they were destined for the grave, and death will feed on them. The upright will rule over them in the morning. Their forms will decay in the grave, far from their princely mansions. But God will redeem my life from the grave. He will surely take me to himself. You see? You see, we die, but we really live. We're going to continue living with him. Do not be overawed when a man grows rich. You see, don't envy them. When the splendor of his house increases. For he will take nothing with him when he dies. His splendor will not descend from with him. Though while he lived, he counted himself blessed. Right? You know, they think that way. And, and men praise you when, you're, when you prosper. He will join the generations of his fathers who will never see the light of life. A man who has riches without understanding is like the beast that perish. That's what God was revealing to him. It made sense. Romans 8.18, I consider that our present sufferings are not worth comparing with the glory that will be revealed in us. You see, he's saying everything that I'm going through here, it doesn't compare to what I'm going to get when I go to heaven. It doesn't compare. You see, that's what he started to understand. God was reminding him of that because he has forgotten, right? 2 Corinthians 4, 17 and 18, For our light and momentary troubles are achieving for us an eternal glory that far outweighs them all. You see, first of all, they're light and they're momentary. They're only temporary troubles. And they're achieving in us an eternal glory that far outweighs them all. It doesn't compare. So we fix our eyes not on what is seen, but what is unseen, for what is seen is temporary, and what is unseen is eternal. You see, when he took his focus out of God, he started to focus on the temporary things, the things that wouldn't last, and it started to mess him up. But when he came back to God, when he came back into the presence of God, he put on that spiritual thinking, that spiritual cap. Now he started focusing on the eternal things. Those are the things that really matter. Those are the things that really last. You see, his perspective totally changed now you see when he first started he was ready to backslide now he's like man now i understand everything god was revealing everything to him his her perspective was now changing he saw the big picture it was clear to him now jesus for the joy that was set before him endured the cross it was going to be hard he knew it was going to be hard he knew he was going to suffer but he wasn't focusing on that. He wasn't focusing on the car. He wasn't focusing on the temporary sufferings. No, his joy was what, what, what was the cross going to bring? And that was going to be the redemption of mankind. That was his joy. This church right here, that's his joy. The church in Mexico and the churches around the world, that was his joy. You see, he was focusing on the eternal things. And sometimes there's crosses in our lives. There's going to be a cross in our life. And one point, uh, and one, you know, 
throughout our lives. And you have to choose. Are you just going to turn your back on it? Are you going to run away from it? Or are you going to be, Jesus, I trust you. I trust you in my life. I know I don't understand why am I going to go through it. I don't know what's going on, but I trust you in my life. I know that you're good. I know that you're going to bless me. I know that you're doing something. Endure the cross knowing that something good is going to come after that. Don't focus on the suffering. Don't focus on what you're going through. Focus on God. Keep your eyes on God. He's going to help you. He's going to give you his grace and your power. See, sometimes he'll take away things from us that we love, that we care about so much, and it hurts. And we tend to focus not on what is God trying to do in my life, but we focus on the fact that, man, God took it away from me. Well, why, God, why did he take that away from me? Why am I going through this? I love that. I love this person. I love that thing. Why did he take it away from me? You have to understand, God is saying, trust me. I understand what's going on. You only see what's going on in front of you, but I see your whole future. This thing is getting in the way of me. This thing is going to mess you up. This thing is a stumbling block to you. It's going to mess up your whole life. If you just trust me, walk through it, trust me. Maybe you don't see what's going on, but when you get to that point, 10, 20 years from now, you're going to look back and you're going to be like, oh, that's why God did that. Now everything makes sense. You're a better man because of it. You're a better woman because of it, because you trusted God because you knew that God was good. You see, he has the, your eternal well-being in mind. He has an eternal purpose and plan. You see, he deals with the eternal, not the temporary. You see, we always look at the temporary. It doesn't, it's not going to last. Like Paul says, don't focus on those things. Focus on what is unseen, the eternal things, because those are the things that's going to last. See, you want blessings and everything, man, your real blessings is up here in heaven. Don't worry about those things. That thing is going to burn in hell. You have to trust God. Verse 18 to 20, surely you place them on slippery ground. You cast them down to ruin. How suddenly are they destroyed, completely swept away by terrors. As a dream when one awakes... So when you arise, O Lord, you will despise them as fantasies. You see, now he understood. He understands what's going to happen to them, and now he's pitying them. He's like, I pity them. Now, I don't envy them. Everything makes sense now. He saw their ending. Verse 21. When my heart was grieved and my spirit embittered, I was senseless and ignorant. I was a brute beast before you. See, now he, you know, he realized how, how stupid he was. He was like, man, how stupid was I? I was like a beast that just acted on instincts. I was ignorant. I forgot about your laws. I forgot about what, you were, you know, what I was taught so many years. How stupid I was. I can't believe that I almost backslid because of this. It's so dumb. Right? When you come to God, things start making sense. And we all have been there. And, you know, you're like, man, and you start thinking like, why did I think like that in the first place? What was I thinking? But because when, you, you know, when you, you're away from God and you try to figure things out on your own and you try to do things your own way, you're not thinking. You don't realize what you're doing. But when you come to God, he reveals, to, he reveals it to you. And you're like, man, I was so stupid. I can't believe I did that. I can't believe I almost backslid. I can't believe I was acting this way. Right? Everything makes sense. Everything's put in a different perspective in God's perspective. Verse uh, 23, here he begins to count his blessings. Mm. He counts his blessings here, and really we're all blessed. Really we're all blessed. If you woke up this morning, you're blessed. 
you're better off than the a million people that didn't survive this week. I was doing my own little statistics. A million, you're better off than a million people who didn't survive this week. You have clothes on your back. You have a place to sleep, food in your stomach. You're richer than 75% of the people of the world. We're really rich. We're really blessed. But we're, you know, spoiled here. <laughs> Yet I'm always with you. You hold me by my right hand. Mm. See, God holds you by the right hand. Why do you think he, came, he went to a point of no return? You know, he, he was going to a point of no return, but God was holding him by his right hand. God was like, man, stay strong. Don't give up. You guide me with your counsel, and afterward you will take me into glory. How beautiful is that? God is with you. He blesses you. And when you reach the end of your road, man, he's going to take us to heaven, to a better place, man, where there's no more sorrows, there's no more pain. Eternal life. Man, that's why God is good. No matter what we go through in this life, you can't give up. Fight the good fight. Run the race. Because we have an awesome hope. We have an awesome future. You see, he realized that he'd rather live his life broke, busted, and disgusted and go to heaven than to live the lifestyle of the rich and famous and go to hell. It doesn't compare. It's not worth it. He understood that now. Verse 25. Whom have I in heaven but you? And earth has nothing I desire besides you. My flesh and my heart may fail, but God is the strength of my heart and my portion forever. <sighs> Rachel, if you could come up. Whom have I in heaven but you? And earth has nothing I desire besides you. Psalm 16, 2 says, You are the Lord my God. Apart from you, I have no good thing. There's an old hymn. There's an old hymn that goes, I'd rather have Jesus than silver or gold. I'd rather be his than have riches untold. I'd rather have Jesus than houses or land. I'd rather be led by his nail-pierced hands than to be the king of a vast domain. I'd rather have Jesus than anything this world can afford. If that is your heart, can you stand up with me today? I'd rather have Jesus. You see, he didn't envy them no more. He was like, man, I don't really want what they want. Jesus, you're all that I want. If I have you, I have everything. What good is it if a man gains the whole world yet forfeits his soul? What good is it if I have the whole world? I'd rather have Jesus than anything this world can afford. If I have you, Jesus, I'm rich. If I have you, I'm all good. You're all I need. Anything else, anything else is extra. That's, that's fine. But Jesus, all I want is you. Let that be your heart. Let that be your desire. Surely you place them on slippery ground. You cast them down to ruin. How suddenly are they destroyed, completely swept away. I'm sorry. Verse 27. Those who are far from you will perish. You destroy all who are unfaithful to you. See, now he understands. I'm really blessed, not them. They're really the ones on slippery ground, not me. But as for me, it is good to be near God. James 4, 8 says, come near to God and he will come near to you. That is a promise. And so you read in verse 2, he was like, as for me, I had almost slipped, I'm almost backslide. But now when he came to God, everything changed. His whole perspective changed. Now he knows. Everything makes sense now. And he knew that as for me now, 
It is good to be near God. I have made the sovereign Lord my refuge. I will tell of all your deeds. See, when we're going through hard times, we tend to forget how good God really is. We forget about those things. We forget how faithful, how, you know, how much we can trust God because we start to focus on the problem instead of keeping our eyes on God. God is a good God. If you didn't realize that here, it's just God is a good God. Even if he don't do not one thing for you, he's a good God. He don't have to do nothing for us. Him just dying on a cross is more than enough. God is a good God. If you could just pray with me. Let's just thank God for his goodness right now. Father God, you are so good, Lord. Thank you, Lord, that no matter what I'm going through, Lord, no matter how hard life may get, Lord, you are good. I know it. I know it, Father God. I believe it. I could trust you with my whole life, Lord. I trust you with my life. And no matter how hard it gets, I know that you're good. I know that I have a good future ahead of me. And I will not give up. I will not quit. Oh, Jesus. Let that be your heart. I'd rather have Jesus. When you're satisfied with Jesus, you will never envy anything else. You will never envy nothing else. You will never fall when Jesus is your portion. He's your everything. He's the lover of your soul, the Lord of your life, the king of your heart. Oh, when you come to God, you will lack nothing. All those things in the world, they're temporary. They won't last. Your true treasures, your true blessings are in heaven. Those are the things we live for. We don't live for this life. We live for the afterlife. Oh, Jesus. Thank you, Lord, for your goodness. Thank you, Lord. And now I'm just going to open up the altars. And the first call I'm going to be, I'm going to say, maybe you're going through what Asaph was going through. Maybe you're going through what he's going through. through, And you're starting to question God. You're going through a hard time right now. You're having a rough time and you just can't figure it out. And you're starting to question God. Is God really a good God? Is he really just? Is he really fair to me? And you're being tempted. You're being tempted to just think negative things about God. And the devil's just messing you up. Or maybe uh, you're not in a verge of backsliding, but there's things in your life that, that you're trying to figure out that it's hard to figure out. You don't know what to do with your life. You want answers. It's becoming hard. It's becoming frustrated for you to figure out. But just like Asaph, come to God. Come to God. If that is you this morning, this afternoon, I invite you to come up to the front. And just like the Bible says, like Asaph said, come to God. And he'll give you a revelation. Allow God to to speak to you. Allow him to, to just reveal things in your life. To give you answers. And even if he doesn't, he's there to encourage you. And to comfort you, all you have to say is, just, God, I trust you. I don't know what's going on. I don't have any answers. But you do. I trust you with my life. I know that you know my, uh, my future. If that is you, come up to the front. I know there's some of you trying to figure things out in your life. You're trying to get answers. You don't realize what's going on. A lot of us go through it. Maybe we have gone through it. If you haven't, you probably will. 
but you have to have that foundation. God is good. That when it does get hard, you won't give up. You won't question God's goodness. You just know, you just know that you know that you know that He is good. That He loves you. Just spend time with God. Spend time with God. Allow Him to speak to you. Encourage you. Oh, Jesus. The next one is, God is good to Israel, to those of a pure heart. We gave you a chance this, uh, this morning when we were uh, worshiping God. We'll give you another chance. If you do not have a pure heart this morning, this afternoon, you will not see God. You have to be born again according to John 3.3. 3. Jesus is the only way to heaven. John 14.6 says, I am the way, the truth, and the life, and no one comes to the Father except through me. There's no other way to Jesus. There's only one way, and that is through the way, Jesus Christ, the Lord and Savior of your life, the Redeemer of life. If today you have not made that decision ever of your life, if you have never given your life to Jesus, or maybe you have, you're backslid, and you just want to uh, commit your life again, made a, uh, make a new declaration, come up to the front. Just spend time with God. Spend time with God and make that confession. Jesus, forgive me of my sins. I'm tired of doing it my way. I'm going to do it your way now. Because truly, if I do it your way, truly, if I give my life to you, I am blessed. There's nothing this world will give you. This world will give you temporary happiness, temporary joy. But you come to God, He'll give you eternal joy. He'll give you eternal life. Come up to the front. We'll have someone pray with you. Just spend time with God. Give Him your life. You're doing me no favors. This is for you.